Welcome to the Canine Classroom, a podcast for dog owners, professionals, and sports enthusiasts where we discuss training, behavior issues, sports, and everything in between. We're three friends and colleagues who share a passion for dogs, and although we have many similarities, we also have many differences in our training styles and the methods we practice. We're here to have open conversations, ask questions, get answers, as well as hear from colleagues and experts in the industry. So take a seat and get your notepad out because class is in session. Welcome to Canine Classroom. I'm Anthony DeMarinas, and I'm joined here by my friends and co-hosts, Stephanie Rayner and Vinny Viola. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Hey, what's going on? How are we doing today? Good. Excited to, to be here. Yeah. yeah, you were like out winning medals and stuff. I see you on the Facebook, the Book of Face, posting <laughs> on podiums. So yeah, what happened? What, you, what, what was going on? Uh, well, it's been a while since we've chatted. So I, uh, went out to the West coast, um, where I competed at the West coast UKI US open, which is like a national event. Uh, it's also a world team qualifying event, uh, for, uh, world championships that's in the Netherlands in May. So we went out there and we won our spot for that team. Oh, nice. And, nice. uh, Thank you so much. We also won a couple of uh, other events. And then since then, I, well, I was just in Florida and at the East Coast UKI US Open, which is another national championship. And we did okay there, uh, stood on a box. So <laughs> yeah, doing, doing good. Nice. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. What's going on with you two? Nothing. not much you know we uh we hung out again we hung out again. i know i'm jealous of your couple uh, times your you went hiking with the dogs last time yes. so nice anthony has a portable picnic table he keeps it in his car <laughs> really no yes. and he just took it out and set it up in my driveway i was like a like a cato very board? embarrassed <laughs> I've, and he was so embarrassed like he walked away and i've ever car. seen it's unlike anything i've ever seen what the table or me sitting on the table? The table <laughs> and you sitting on it. It's I don't even know how to even begin describing it. I was going to say, I want can you, you please to really, elaborate. I want you to really make the picture that you said it looked like. Uh, what was it? Tell me I'm wrong or something. So he takes this thing out of his car that's almost the same size as like a fucking laptop. Like it's like a <laughs> small little box, and then it like folded out. And then it folded out again. And then somehow it folded again. And it just kept getting bigger. And then it was like the size of a table, like a beer pong table. But then wow. when he pulled the legs out, instead of just legs coming out, like these little benches came out also <laughs> that were almost like a picnic table bench, but only the, like the same, just enough size for like a little human tushy to sit on. It was ridiculous. 
That's amazing. And like as he sat, the whole thing would bend and warp. Like, oh come on! In now, multiple, now you, no, no, no. Now I'm not making a nonsense. joke about your weight because you are not overweight. I'm making a joke about the sturdiness of this contraption. <laughs> and the thing that was scary too is like if it were to break, it didn't look like it would just like fall downward. It looked like it would like close up and like suck you into it somehow. Like a, like a fly trap because it was <laughs> bent out in so many different directions. You know, I'm not even lying right now. <laughs> Things right, are ridiculous. He wouldn't even sit on it with me. I, I wouldn't sit on. He was like sit on the other side. I'm like, I'm not sitting on that. It did not so look like it was gonna support us. He was us. so embarrassed. He went <laughs> in like, his car. He just sat in his car and waited for me to. No, I just up. took first. I took like three steps back and took a picture of it because <laughs> no one would ever. As believe one naturally this shit. would. Yeah, like because yeah, and I'm gonna have to post it. Yeah, but I want you to please share the goods. I want you to put the sign on it. The uh, whatever that sign was that you said. When we release this episode, I'll I'll put the sign of like episode whatever this episode is going to be released. (laughs) Because we're recording these, recording these all over the place. (laughs) Speaking of this episode, so we've recorded a few episodes, and we realized we probably should record an introduction. So we're rewinding, and here we are. Oh so boy. let's introduce been avoiding each other, this. I guess. Say we've again. To, we've been avoiding this, right? We have been avoiding this, but it is time, my friends. It is time. So you first, boss. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you threw me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So <laughs> <laughs> threw me under the little foldable table right there. Yep. All right, so uh, what are we doing here? I guess we'll uh, introduce each other, what we do, um, et cetera, et cetera. Training backgrounds, beliefs, that kind of thing. All right, so I'm Anthony DeMarinas. I have my own dog training company, DeMarinas Dog Training and Behavior, located on Long Island. And I specialize in working with dogs mainly with behavior issues, but I kind of work with a little bit of everything. And I do mainly in-home sessions, and I also work with a lot of clients in other states across the country virtually. My name is Vinny Viola. I'm a dog trainer in Rockland County, New York. My business name is Canine Jester. I, I work with pet dogs, families. I do day training. I also work virtually with people across the world that find me. Um, and yeah, I like working with excitable hyper dogs they're fun for me because they match your personality yes <laughs> yes all over the place uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh on that note i'm uh, i'm stephanie rayner i own uh be good dogs i'm located in northford connecticut i teach the sport of dog agility I have for over 20 years now. I travel all over teaching seminars and workshops, but home base is Connecticut. So sounds good. So guys, what I was thinking, you know, I look at uh, some common questions I see are um, how do you become a dog trainer? Right. So people might be interested in becoming one. And how do you choose a dog trainer? So those are kind of just some some main themes that I know we'll probably go off on a tangent and somehow start talking about marker words and shapings and not even (laughs) talking about this, but we're going to try. We're going to try to stick. You're already doing it. I'm just planting the seeds so that later when we go off the the deep end, we could, uh, you know, Anthony won't be so upset over there. 
<laughs> Why am I going to be upset? Because you're taking notes. You get me nervous over. Oh, every that was not. It had nothing. Every time you start taking you. notes when I talk, it I get had so nothing nervous. to do with you. I get so work. nervous. I know. It's like I say <laughs> something so... and then you look away and you start writing something down. I feel like I'm at like a psychologist office, <laughs> and I'm like, I overshared. I said something I shouldn't have, and they like they jotted something down. I'm like, uh oh, that was it. Tell me, Vinny. How do you read now? Look, let's not. This is not the podcast for that. Let me get. Wait, hold on. Let me go get my bench. We'll sit down. Hold on one second. Oh. <laughs> we'll sit down and have a session. <laughs> All right, boys. This is why you need me to keep you guys on track. So maybe I'll know. jump in here. <laughs> you asked a lot of questions there, Vinny, but uh, I think I'll maybe I'll share a little bit about my experience because I'm the one of us, I believe, that sort of fell into this uh, world or was born into it. Essentially, there you go. Um, so yeah, so you like had I said, no I've been choice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was forced into it. Uh no. But uh like I said, I've been doing the sport of dog agility for over 20 years. My mom was an in-home dog trainer for pet manners and behavior modification. So I was born into it. Uh my mom also competed in competition obedience and agility. And so that is how I found agility. I was seven when I got started and found a local uh uh group class because of my mom. And that's kind of how it all got started. I've done agility my whole life and I love it so much. And I love sharing my knowledge with other people. So that is why I do what I do. Uh, now I've totally lost track of your 1800 other questions. Vinny. You said, no, it's fine. Uh, we're going to start with, we're going to oh. start with like, what, what inspired us? Maybe we'll start like this. We'll start with like, what inspired us? How did we start? And okay. then, um, go from there. Love it. Well, that's, okay. what, that's what got me hooked. What about you guys? Well, I mean, if I'm being honest, if we're going back like to the beginning, Beanie Babies. I used to collect Beanie Babies. You too? I used to collect them, right? And I used to set them up and I used to wish that like, like I would give them jobs. Like I'd be like, this one's going to watch like this side of my bedroom and this one's going to, no, I'm like, I'm losing Anthony. Anthony's getting nervous. <laughs> no, but I was always an animal lover. I, I always liked animals. Um... They interested me. I had, you know, pet dogs, but oddly enough, it's funny. I look back on it and, you know, I see either clients, kids or kids on social media that are like training their dogs. I'm like, I never really even trained my dog um, in my younger, younger years. And then, um, then after Beanie Babies, you had Eliza Thornberry. She was a big inspiration for me. I was like, I really <laughs> wish I could talk to these animals, you know. No, you but like I a character I, from there actually. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I just always, whether it was, you know, at at a circus or a zoo or whenever there was like a trained any type of animal training, it always impressed me because it it as a kid, I was like, wow, like that person is communicating with that, with that dog or whatever animal they were working with so when I look back on it now I realize that that's kind of probably why I went this way I also was in school for psychology so really understanding what motivates people and then ultimately you know animals how to overcome difficulties whether it's anxiety depression staying motivated things like that um it's kind of how my brain was always looking and thinking so that's kind of like the early, the early seeds that probably were planted. What about you, Anthony? The seeds again. So what's the problem with you with the seeds? It's just your thing. We're planting a lot of seeds tonight. There's yeah, going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of seeds. There's going to be a lot of crops. <laughs> Let's go. So where did you start? Um, sort of. So when I was a kid, I as 
young as I can remember, I was always fascinated and obsessed with dogs. Um, I used to, I didn't know that the computer was used for anything other than printing dog pictures. And um, so I had, I don't even remember, I had like, I don't know, 50, maybe more pictures printed of dogs that I would just like every every day or every, you know, couple times a week, I would just go to the computer and look, I don't even know like how I found it. I can't remember that. Like, but I just remember having pictures of dogs printed and just posted, like just hanging them up all over my wall in my room. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I wanted to be a vet for a long time. And then my first job actually was when I was 13, I worked for a vet hospital up until I graduated high school. So I worked there uh, from 13 up until I graduated high school. And it was, it was the coolest job I, I ever had. It was so cool. Like I used to, I used to do like kennel attendant stuff, but I used to be able to um, help in, in the exam room. He used to let me uh, watch surgeries. Like it was so cool. Like when he had an emergency late at night, if I was there with them closing up, I would stay late and you know, just like watch the surgeries and stuff like that. So um, it was something that was really cool. And um, then when I, when I went to college and I realized how hard <laughs> science was, <laughs> um, one of the things I was also super interested in was business. So I went for um, a business degree. And uh, after college, I had a couple couple jobs and a couple management jobs and I still wanted to do things with dogs and so aside from like volunteering and stuff like I wanted to actually do something as a business so um originally I wanted to start a dog daycare business and my goal was actually I wanted to hire a lot of the uh, a few of the kids I worked with who had autism and I realized what a bad idea that would end up being and, but I still like one of the things in my um, business plan was generating uh, how to generate different forms of revenue from different streams. And one of them was dog training. And so I was like, huh, well, you know, if this is the business I want to create, maybe I should learn how to do that in a more formal way. And I ended up going to um, the Victoria Stillwell Academy for dog training behavior. And I liked it so much. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this full time. And I scratched the daycare idea. Thank goodness. I was actually thinking of that this morning. I was like, thank God I did not go into dog daycare. <laughs> and, uh, again, yeah, then after I had my, my, uh, my mentor from that program, she was really into behavior and it kind of, it took me on a journey of working specifically with behavior cases more than anything else, which I thought I was just gonna be working with puppies, honestly. And, uh, and yeah, that's basically how I, how I got into it. And, um, I've been able to meet a lot of awesome people and stuff along the way and been able to learn from a lot of great people like Mike Shikashio, Kim Brophy, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, that's how it kind of started. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So I, um, started when I had a dog that had some aggression issues so I know a lot of people start that way um it exposed me to a lot of different trainers I bounced around to different trainers trying to find you know help 
and the um i was actually working at a uh, psychiatric hospital part-time and i was a personal trainer and the the similarities were interesting to me right motivating building behavior modifying behavior i started realizing that i like doing it it was fun for me it was very rewarding when you know just even in the beginning teaching your dog to do something simple like a sit or you know teaching your dog to heal by your side i, I really enjoyed that so like anthony i wanted to go to a you know some type of a school for it and i ended up at karen Pryor academy so i think like don't shoot the dog was one of the first books that i had read and um, a trainer that i was working with had recommended the school so i signed up and i went through the program with my um at the time he was i think seven months seven month field labrador bringing him into those uh, group sessions it was pretty funny uh stressful but it was definitely a rewarding experience to go through that and yeah that's kind of the beginning of my the beginning of my dog training journey um besides you know family members and friends seeing the stuff that i do at my dog and be like hey could you do could you help me with my dog so like in the beginning it was a lot of just like going over friends houses and like trying to just just train dogs for fun for free on the side um before ultimately working with a local trainer who specialized in group classes so i i taught puppy classes and basic manners and group classes for about seven or eight years in the beginning it was just a lot of cleaning pee and poop off the floor in puppy class and <laughs> not getting paid but going there after work and just kind of watching you know but i was happy to kind of take anything that i can get in the beginning so those are the origins of uh for me Nice. So I thought we could maybe touch on some things that people might do if they are interested in becoming a dog trainer. Um, places to start, places not to start, maybe. I don't know. What do you guys mm. think? Things to do? Um, Advice? You know, so one thing I'll just say, and I think like, I think like all of us might agree on this is that every, so first of all, no matter what you're doing, whether it's training a dog or uh, your own dog, or you're a trainer, or maybe you're a personal trainer for people or a teacher or whatever profession you are, there's, you're going to, you're going to be on your own journey and exploring and learning and you may change over time. And so I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I would suggest is I always like suggest new trainers start out at a structured program. Personally, I just think that it, it helps provide a lot of quality and good material in an organized way for someone who's new starting out because dog training is not and dog behavior and modification and stuff. It's not just about teaching or learning how to teach a dog to sit or lie down or do whatever. There's so many other things attached to it, like the science behind it and stuff like that. That's really important 
because that's going to help you understand so much more about the the dog, the individual dog that you're working with, the family that you're working with. So I think that a structured program is super helpful to start. At least that's how I went through it. I, I, you know, feel that that's like, for me, that was the best thing I could have done uh, just because of the way that I learn. Um, and then as far as continuing education, I'm constantly always taking courses. Um, and especially now, um, you know, I, I really like learning from people that I maybe would not have learned from before, who maybe don't always have the same thoughts or beliefs as me. Uh, because I think that we can always learn from someone. I, I think that's I think that's so important to be able to be able to hear what other people have to say, learn from others, um, see what they do and, and take what you like from them and apply it to what you do, whether it's dog training or, or something else in life. I think that's just something that's so important. Yeah, I think um, the only thing I would add to that is um, in the very, very beginning, or it doesn't have to be the very beginning, but one of the first things that I would also recommend to do is, is find some type of, even if it's part-time job or volunteer work or just some place that you can get your hands on a ton of dogs, um, whether and it's- And a mentor, and a mentor. And a mentor, yeah. Mentor might be harder to get in the beginning, yeah, um, depending on your area. Big, yeah, it, yeah. May, it might be difficult depending on your area. Um, because sometimes, you know, there's gatekeepers and there's people that are just busy and they just don't have time. Right. Cause yep. some of them are just working hard and they don't really need someone shadowing them. Yep. Um, but if you work at, it could be a daycare, it could be volunteering at a shelter. It could be getting a job, part-time job or a job at a, you know, a vet office or just a place where you're going to get your hands on a lot of dogs, because I feel like, you know, I definitely learned, and maybe it's just my personal learning style, but I definitely have learned a lot from seminars and books and, and courses, but I feel like there's nothing compared to just like doing it, unfortunately. Right. So you have to, you have to just do it and do it and do it. And you, you learn a lot when you're, when you're getting your hands on a lot of different types of dogs and different personalities and, um, different clients too right because yeah. remember that's oh, yeah. one of the biggest if you're doing dog training because you're like oh i don't like people <laughs> you know you see that all the time <laughs> like i'm doing i'm doing dog like i hate to break it to you but but most of the dogs that i train have an owner attached to them right so like <laughs> so like i personally like i like teaching i like yeah. i like helping people i like working with people i don't get offended when someone's not learning from me, I like take it as like a challenge of like, okay, I'm obviously not reaching them. Like how can, and the, this is obviously disregarding someone that's just like blatantly rude to you. It's like, it happens to everyone, but like over time it's like few and far between, hopefully. Um, you know, ultimately these people are coming to you and paying you money. So like, hopefully they respect you at least a little bit. Otherwise, like, why are they, why are they hiring you in the first place? You know? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that is something like spending the time in those puppy classes in the beginning and just like getting my hands on tons of dogs. And the, the experience was like super important for me. Um, you know, like the analogy I like to use is. And I'm not like degrading any like type of certification, but to me, it was like I feel like my certification was like getting the drivers, the, your driver's license and then like 
being great at dog training is like being a good driver, right? Like I've been driving since I was 16. I'm like 32 now. I'm way, I'm a, like, I, I'd hope at least like I'm a more, you know, seasoned driver and I'm a more skilled driver now than when I was 16. Right. And a lot of that it wasn't from like reading a book or passing a test. It was, you know, years and years and years of being, you know, on the road. Although, see, I'm going off on these tangents, Anthony. Although sometimes when you do something over and over and over again, here you go, he's taking notes. Oh, you no. can start, you know, maybe not looking over your left shoulder before you back out because you back out every single day. So to what Anthony said, staying up to date, keeping yourself, you know, humble, not being like, oh, I know everything. I, I'm good to go. I don't need to go on any more seminars. I don't need to, you know, read about anything else or I don't need to go to that new dog. Like, I don't need to, you know, you gotta keep keep learning and keep your, you know, keep an open mind. Um, again, to what Anthony said, because, you know, and this is kind of, I'm going to transition back to like where someone can start because there are a lot of different types of certifications. There are some people that don't really think that you need a certification. Some certifications, just to put it, to put it bluntly, are a lot of money, right? And, and sometimes if you are starting out, like I know when I was starting out, like, it, it was the paying for the Karen Pryor Academy was, was not, it wasn't easy. Right. Like I'm, I'm working and I'm paying, I have other bills and it's like, I gotta, wow, I gotta pay this too. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. So where, where do you start? What do you feel about the certifications? Um, so I'll ask you, Anthony, he's got, I know you guys can't see, but he's got a bunch of like framed certs over there. So making us all feel a little insecure, go. you know? So, uh, here he goes. And you know, I got to take little stabs at him. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where would you, where would you, should you, would you, could you, um, what do you think? So I'm going to be totally honest and say, uh, when I started dog training, I did not know that there are different methodologies. There are different beliefs in dog training. Um, I always tell the story that like I went to Victoria Stillwell Academy, but it wasn't because Victoria Stillwell was this famous dog trainer on TV. I actually never saw her TV show before. And the reason I picked her was actually because her website looked the most professional <laughs> um, compared to all the other programs out there. And it seemed very thorough and it was, it definitely was. But I went there being the only student out of 30 students. Uh, it was in person at that time. Um, I was the only person out of 30 students that had really never seen her show uh, or knew who she was. So like, you know, I, I think um, you have to find. Uh, so the point that I'm, I'm getting at is that, you know, you have to find what you feel is going to fit best for you. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different types of programs out there. So it's just a matter of like what you're going to feel works best for you. I'm more of a hands-on learner. So I wanted to go to something that was in person. Um, and, you know, I was able to also have a, a hands-on in-person mentor as well on top of that. So, so like that was something that was really important for me as, as a learner, um, you know, there's, there's all different types of programs and, and you have to just find what you feel is going to fit best for you. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think. And then in terms of certifications, 
Um, you know, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of different opinions out there in terms of certifications and and licenses and things like that. And to me, I kind of look at it as getting certifications is one of those things that it can't hurt to have. I think it's important because in some way, I think it it shows how serious you are about what you're doing as your profession. I mean, the reality is, is, and I'm not saying that if you don't have certifications, you don't take what you do seriously, but I think it's something that's important. And, and you know, especially with the way the dog training behavior industry is today, um, there are a lot of people out there who want to get a lot of different things regulated. So being able to have certifications or credentials can help provide a voice for whatever category you fall into and for what you're, you believe in and what you're, you know, kind of fighting for um, with regulations or whatever. So I think that, I think that certifications are important. And, and also I think it's important too, because uh, you know, the, I, the client at the end of the day wants to hire someone who's going to help them. And there are definitely trainers out there who have, no certifications who can definitely help a customer, hands down. That's not even a question. There are plenty of trainers out there who have no certifications who could blow other trainers out of the water or have 20 certifications. I mean, it's just what it is. You know, so Vinny's shaking his head. Oh, yeah. Anthony's on oh, a roll yeah. name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here he goes. So, yeah. So, so I was going to just like, yeah, go ahead. Not to cut. Sorry, you I went off, off on but... a tangent now. Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. So, like, you could all, like, also, you should, you should think about what your goals are yeah and obviously get a service like if you want to get a job at a specific place you should see if that certain place has certain certifications that they're looking for obviously right because you can spend a lot of money and get a certification and then realize that like it doesn't it doesn't open the door that you thought it was going to open but like anthony is also saying is and you know this is a a highly debated subject that i'm sure we could have a full episode on is like there is no regulation right now in the dog training um world so like if you're listening to this right now i shouldn't even say this but if you're listening to this right now and you want to say you're a dog trainer you could just print out a card and go around tomorrow and be training dogs right so that that's the reality but unfortunately that's the reality though some people yeah that is the reality so like yeah, yeah to talk about like the other thing we were talking about which is like how to choose a dog trainer like keep well, that wait in mind, and i just want to go i just want to say like you you made a good point like in terms of what your goals are like i think that's so important and i, I like i didn't as a new trainer or someone who's getting into training i didn't know what all those goals were you know over time i learned what those things were what i wanted for myself and all that stuff and you know, as I got certifications, it was like another uh, achievement or another, uh, for me, like just another thing that I had that like it was achieving whatever those goals were, because the reality is for me, those certifications have helped me get to where I am, whether it's, you know, meeting the mentors that I've been able to train under um, and learn from over time and getting some other opportunities with with my business um, and some other things so so for me it it has helped me but that's just like my personal journey for me right so so like i i think you make a good point like that the you know having certain goals are important you may not 
You may not know what those are in the beginning though. Like I didn't, I, like I said, I thought I was just to be working with puppies. I had no idea that I was going to end up basically just working with behavior and aggression. So, um, so yeah, now you can, you can go on now, Vinny. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, it's you're fine. Saying, I don't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> you um, were about to say, I think finding, maybe you're about to say finding a trainer. I don't, I don't know. Oh no, I was just warning people that yeah, like if you're if you just find like anyone could be a dog trainer, right? But like Anthony was saying, there are I know I've learned personally a ton of great stuff and look up to dog trainers that have no certifications. Yeah, 100%. right. So yeah. it is tricky. It is tricky to like to sometimes navigate, and yeah. then that's where you know, like obviously, like reviews and and listening you know obviously other people's meeting dogs that maybe someone trained or watching dogs online that someone trained is obviously something that you want to be doing as well to see what ethically you know eth- you know we've touched a little bit on the ethics of dog training the different certifications might have different code of ethics funny story is actually the the trainer that told me about Karen Pryor Academy was a balance trainer so you know he was um i I was a crossover. Now I'm like, I always say like, I'm a crisscross, cross, cross, Chris. I don't even know. Right now, right now, I like to just say that I'm a dog trainer because I feel like things have gotten so polarized. There's like all these different camps. And as I've grown as a dog trainer, I truly feel like I've taken on my, like my own flavor, right? Like my own, like I'm, I feel like I'm my own trainer. And I pull from a bunch of different things that I've learned over time that's worked for me. And to just like stick my flag in the ground in one of these camps just seems like I'd be doing myself a disservice because I feel like I'm then now like in the shadow of some, you know, organization that then people might characterize me as. So it's not that I don't respect even my own certifications. I I value them and they were great accomplishments uh, for me, but I've also grown, right? Like not that I'm above them, but I'm just different than them, right? Like I don't want to be defined by a certification. So I feel like that can sometimes be a trap in the beginning to like, at least for me. So I'm talking just about myself. I don't want to like put this on other people. Well, but... and also you're basically saying, I mean, look, like w- what you're basically saying too is like, but as... can I just, what can I just finish right there? Quick one second. For me, there was like, there was an insecurity like mm-hmm. to you as to why you said you would do cer- certain certifications. Like in the very beginning, I was like, am I good enough? Like, and, and getting certifications made me feel like confident. Right. And I feel like that can sometimes be, I don't want to say that like new trainers can be preyed upon, right? But it could it could make you just keep seeking out like a new certification, a new certification, a new certification. Do, do you guys know what I'm saying? Or yeah, do I sound like I'm, yeah. I'm nuts, right? Where it's like, I'm trying to like... <laughs> well, you are nuts. But, but... <laughs> where it's like, I'm trying to like validate my, or I'm like trying to prove myself, but like, I'm just going to get another cert. I'm going to get another cert. And not that like learning and continuing education is great. Like it is, but I feel like there comes a time where you can start feeling confident in yourself, regardless of like... Mm-hmm. you know, like a yeah. certification. 
And then you get certifications maybe, or you do continuing education just because you want to learn more, right? You should always be open um, to more learning. But um, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I'll just bounce it off to Anthony. Sorry, before well, you rudely interrupted me. You know. Sorry. <laughs> so no, but I mean, like, but again, like that kind of goes back to what we were saying before, which is that everyone learns and grows at their own pace and, and takes in information at different times. I mean, like, you know, we've said this before in a couple of the other episodes, like that's how you and I kind of met, you know, it was that we were just learning from some of the same people and different people. And then kind of, you know, crossed paths, you know, because of some of like the, the places we were learning from and, and being willing to be objective and hear others out. Mm-hmm. that we maybe were not necessarily listening to before or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And that happened at different times in, in each of our careers. Right. So, um, so yeah, I just think, I, I think like, you know, and I, I think that's okay. Like that you're the whole point of growing and, and, you know, the whole point of like, if you change, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, you're just growing as, as a learner. So, so yeah. Steph, we haven't heard from so, you in a while. <laughs> I was going to say, so it sounds like, <laughs> sounds like the moral of the story here is that you just need to get out there. You need to do your research um, and find what works best for you. Right. Cause there's well, so us. many, tell us. Well, I, mean, you- I, I would chime in and well, so, I mean, I, I think everything you all the points you guys have made have been fantastic. I would say in the agility world, mm-hmm. um, there are literally no certifications required to teach the sport of agility. I mean, nothing. Um, I have certifications in, in the fact that I am uh, a judge uh, for the sport. So I'm a judge certified in two different venues. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say my certifications are that I have put titles on multiple dogs, multiple breeds. I continue to compete at the top of the sport amongst other great competitors. I've uh, represented the U.S. in the sport of agility in uh, different world championships, continue to do that. But uh, I don't think those accolades or anything make me the trainer that I am. I would give a lot of credit to the great mentors that I've had along the way. Uh, and I did yeah. that. At, well, my mom, I would give credit to my mom first and foremost. <laughs> and uh, be very mad if you don't. <laughs> and then uh, because of her that I found my first mentor, Diane Bauman, who's a world-renowned trainer, specializes in obedience, agility, herding, like just a brilliant woman. And um, she was kind enough to share her knowledge with me. I spent summers with her. And um, so I've learned a, a lot from her. And then I continue to learn from really great trainers and handlers around the world because I constantly want to know what else is out there. Um, but again, those are not certifications. Those are just me being curious, being, yeah. you know, doing well, I'm actually research. I'm actually glad you brought this up because um mm-hmm controversial uh, subject time right we gotta oh, no. bring it up. no I noticed I noticed that you know and I know we haven't really we haven't really talked about it I'm assuming most people that are listening to this already know right obviously like if you were to lump 
dog trainers into one of two categories and just and just completely minimize everything into just a totally just two sides right it's obviously the the balanced trainers right and then and then trainers that whether they call themselves you know plus r positive you know reinforcement trainers or force free um and what i notice is the one you know the the positive r the plus r trainers will talk about certifications and the balance trainers will bring up titles and and awards and i feel like both sides sometimes will discredit the others right like oh who cares about how many titles you have like you know and then other the people that are winning all the titles is like all oh, your stupid little certifications just a piece of paper doesn't mean shit but i feel like both are like there is a value to both of them if you get a certification it means that you took the time to study and learn and meet a certain standard to pass and to prove that you are able to retain knowledge from something because again like but again like getting a certification doesn't mean you know getting your driver's license doesn't mean you're a great driver right it means that mm -hmm. you pass but like everyone has a driver's license that's driving a car hopefully and some people crash their cars into trees right so just because you have a certification or you have a trainer that has a certification doesn't necessarily mean like you still might not have a good trainer on your hands right like you know some people are good at taking tests and they memorize answers yeah. and they're not really like retaining the thoughts or maybe it's hard to take what's on paper and apply it to like a real dog in a real situation whatever it might be like that could be the argument for that for that side right um and then on the flip side someone that gets a dog and then titles a dog or or does some type of a competition and is able to show that they were able to meet the standards. Like a competition, the dog competitions are interesting because they're coming up with, you know, depending on your sport, like a set set rules and set things that the dog has to do. And then you are able to succeed in that and you're able to kind of show your work. Now, we've kind of talked on this in old episodes, like I'm sure some people achieve those things by doing barbaric stuff, right? They might not have great relationships with their dogs. They might not even really, be able to explain to you the four quadrants or or definitions or even know these terms but it, but they're still able to get that finished result right so it's like but there still has to be some type of a value to that right um not being barbaric to your dog and, and doing that but but showing that you can do something with your dog so why do you think like do you agree with that do you do you notice that divide too like, I don't know, as so coming from, I guess this is for Stephanie, because she's the one of us that like, you're you're in a sport that no one has certifications. So like, is there a consensus about like certifications or like, are they kind of just laughed off? Like if someone were to come up tomorrow with like an agility dog trainer certification, like, would you even think about doing it? Or would you be like, ah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wish you I could just take a snapshot of that face. <laughs> That's an interesting question. It is. It is an interesting question. So I guess. I, um, <laughs> boy. Okay. So there, there are technically communities out there that have tried to create systems for teaching dog agility. And it just so happens that I have one of those certifications oh, um, and yes. I, because I, <laughs> I aligned myself with this group of trainers before they 
went ahead and tried to mass produce it. Um, I found this, these group of trainers as because they were top competitors in the sport. I respect the heck out of them. I'm grateful for everything I've learned from them. I feel strongly that we share a lot of similar, um, beliefs and, and ideas about training. Um, when they went ahead and tried to mass produce their system, they sort of rubbed people the wrong way in the agility world. And, um, I think people just have come to realize that there is no one size fits all system. There's still people out there that are like die hard. You know, you must follow the rules. You must do everything a certain way. Um, but I know my, for myself and I know for a lot of other people that we've sort of outgrown those systems essentially. So to answer your question, I guess if there were to become a certification, would I go ahead and take it? I don't know. I don't know, but that's just my mindset, right? Not everybody has that, that same mentality. I recognize that that's unique, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Cause like, you know, the thing that I see a lot, like when people message me, um, even myself now, there is so much information out there. there it's, it's, it is hard to know, like, you know, who do I listen to? Who do I like, what, what is right? What is you know, wrong. Um, you know, you go on YouTube and there's just like the videos are just all over the place, you know, of everything. Um, but yeah, it just it's just something that I've noticed and I and I've kind of seen the extremes at both sides like completely discredit. You know, like and and I think that's where I kind of started to to open myself up to to people that didn't have certifications, right? Because I was like, wow, like they're doing amazing stuff with their dogs right like i i want to learn i want to learn about that i want to see you know how are they doing this and anthony brought this up before but staying open-minded staying curious um you don't have to violate your ethics right but i don't know what, what like what do you what do you guys feel about that anthony since you were you were talking before about like what made you say like why? I don't want to put you on the spot. We could just uh, don't want to put you on the spot. No, no, I'll put him but on the what spot. Made, <laughs> what like when did you just like if what made you look for more? Like why were you searching? Like if because I like I know for me and like I could bring myself up after and throw myself under the bus. But like why did you even feel the need to continue looking maybe in other places that you previously? didn't want to look and why didn't you want to look before and then maybe once you took a sneak peek what what kind of like maybe was there stuff that you didn't expect so, and then you were like mm, I, the way i was thinking about this before was in, was wrong yeah i think there are a bunch of reasons honestly so i think the first thing is is that when you're in a certain group whether it's dog training or politics or whatever you're going to maybe vibe with those people initially and listen to all the things they have to say especially people who have way more hours and are more seasoned than you you're taking a lot of their word 
as truth or gospel or whatever. Um, and if they discredit someone else or why they don't believe in what someone else does or, or anything of that sort, um, a lot of times you may, especially as a newer student, you may believe that, and it may be true or, or you may just, you know, oh, well, this person that I respect said this, so I guess it must be true or, or whatever the case is. So I think that's, I think that's one, you know, one thing is that um, when you're in a specific group or you're identifying yourself in a specific category, I think that sometimes it's, um, it can limit you in the way that you may see things that uh, see things or, or be willing to see things. Um, I think also the other thing was for me, I felt a little, maybe like, I don't want to say bored, but I felt like as I kept continuing uh, education, I kept feeling like I was listening to the same thing over and over. And I wanted to just see what others were saying and doing. Um, and then kind of around that same time, I also was getting involved in um, sports. So I was training with Stephanie. And some of the things or the ways we were doing things um, wasn't like step by step, how maybe like you would be taught to train your pet dog. Um, but because she had more experience than me and she knew the way my dog could operate and his ability, there were certain things that we were doing that was like way ahead of like, you know, what I would have thought. And so that, you know, starting to like step into like the sport area, I think really made me see that and open my eyes, especially, and, and then especially sheep herding, because with my um, three-year-old Kelpie journey, like we, we had some major struggles in the beginning um, with training and, and some other uh, health related issues. And so sports is a way for me to feel connected to him because he just wasn't the typical pet dog around the house. And uh, at least in the beginning, and so then once I started exploring sports, um, that really, you know, opened my eyes to hearing what other people were saying and doing. Um, and I got to see that with so many people who had different knowledge than me, who maybe weren't even like so aware about certain behaviors or whatever. And um, what ended up happening was the reality was that wasn't, it didn't really matter because they, they still had a bunch of other information and experience that I didn't have. And so I think that was, I think that was um, like a really important moment for me as, as a trainer and a professional and as a student. Um, and then when I got into sheep herding, that was really um, interesting because sheep herding is not the kindest sport to be very honest i mean it's it they put a lot of pressure on their dogs they can be depending on who the person is they can be very heavy-handed barbaric could definitely be a word in many cases 
Um, so, so to be able to learn from instructors who are willing to meet me where I was, was really valuable. Um, and I learned so much from them. Um, and, and like they, they may have different thoughts or opinions than me, but to be able to, to be able to meet, um, in the middle and be able to learn from them. I mean, like I'm, and I'm so like grateful for that. Like I, I like, I, I like don't know. Like, I just feel like if it wasn't for that, then like, I honestly, if it wasn't for that, I don't know that we would be doing like this podcast or that I would be maybe friends with either of you, honestly, like if I was that way, if I, I wasn't that way. So, so yeah, I just think, um, I just think that, I don't know. I, that was just like, basically like how I kind of came to the space that I'm, I'm currently at now as a, a professional and a student. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, I, not that I want to say I was lucky to, but unfortunately in my past with um, my previous dog, Jester, so where I, where I obviously got my, my business name from, I kind of, cross paths with both of the kind of extreme caricatures of what dog trainers are on both ends of the spectrum. So I had the balance trainer that was really doing or recommending that I do extremely punishing things to my dog and not thinking about his emotions, not thinking about how he felt. Um, you know, this was before electric collars had hundreds of different settings and people, you know, taught their dog how to deal with it. It was like the, the electric collar I had had like four settings on it. And the first two, the dog didn't feel. And the third one, the dog was like yelping. It was like very, you know, flipping the dog over and pinning the dog down and alpha rolling and like just like truly harsh things that looking back on it, I was I was struggling. I, I had gone to other trainers and I didn't know what to do. And and um, I was trying to help my dog and, and help myself. But then I also had the trainer that almost didn't help me at all and was like oh just get rid of the dog like you know put it to sleep and i know that's like a threat that balance trainers will use against the other side and i'm sure some people will be upset but like that happened to me like i can't change my own experience and my own history like i had a trainer come over and within 30 minutes was just like just get rid of it put it put it down right and offered me no help at all you know and and that didn't that didn't that was who i actually worked with first you know and then i went to the other trainer and then, you know, once that dog had passed away, um, years later, I was like, you know, never again, never again, never will I ever use a tool or even like think about balance training at all. And I went super hardcore into the, you know, the other end of the spectrum. And then, you know, over time, I realized that not every single dog was a shut down anxious dog, right? You know, I got a Labrador that was like wild and spunky and hyper and crazy and the dog is not scared of anything. And he, he was, he was hard to deal with. He was a field Labrador. And, um, I 
after you know four or five years of his life I was still just nothing major but just like a lot of like he never would calm down and he'd be wild on leash and it was almost embarrassing to take him places I had a vet one time you guys are like this I had a vet one time ask me if I ever thought about bringing my dog to to a dog trainer, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and like I was like like in my head I'm like oh, I guess uh, bringing up like whether she's gonna hand out my cards or not in the office is off of the off of the table now <laughs> like she's obviously no no vet referrals are gonna be happening here <laughs> so you know so like I um I just started you know exploring just other more mainstream uh, balance trainers and to my surprise a lot of the stuff that I learned about that helped me the most was not about tools it wasn't about punishing right like like I still I still remember um you know the first time I I think I've told this story before like the first time I got a, a Michael Ellis DVD I thought I was about to watch like the most horrible stuff ever like I felt like a little kid watching a rated r movie and then he's talking about like building motivation and controlling drive and getting the dog pumped up and channeling the dog's you know energy into the right things and the things that helped me the most from Michael Ellis in the beginning was like treat chasing was like was like making more out of my rewards you know like like using my rewards in a more beneficial way using toys like I couldn't even believe I went so long without like using a toy, mm. you know, not that like, again, like I just to keep everyone like in mind, like this is like eight or like this is years ago now. So like I know people go, oh, well, people talk about the toys and all this stuff a lot now, like things have changed. Like I'm talking about this was years ago um, where, you know, a lot of the circles that I was in was not talking about this. It, like the way to build more motivation was just to get more treats or to get like a better treat right mm -hmm. like if the dog doesn't take the kibble get the happy howies and then get the hot dogs and it was like then this like guy comes along that I thought was going to tell me to like bonk my dog on the top of the head with a rolled up newspaper and he was like turn the reward into an event and run away from your dog and get your dog chasing and turn it into a game and I was like what the heck you know it kind of like it, it opened me up and I know you know I know some people just want to believe that they're like they're on one side and the other side is just terrible like I truly love and value people from like all sides right not that i like every person on each side right that's not what i'm saying but like there is a balanced trainer that i look up to and i love there is a completely force free never use a tool trainer that i learn a lot from um and i think keeping your mind open to that is super important even if it just helps one dog right or even if it's just like them recommending a leash or like a toy right like i i've followed balance trainers before just because they have awesome leashes and collars and toys so you know i don't know now we're just now we're just yapping <laughs> i was gonna say i mean i i think we could go on for hours here um and that's it's homework that's kind of the point of the show right is we're three misfits <laughs> that don't fall in anywhere. I don't so think. So basically, if you want to become a dog trainer, <laughs> get get ready for the ride. And if you're looking for a dog trainer, good luck. No, <laughs> it's it's hard. It's messed up. And like and like that is almost a place. Like it's okay that I'm saying that. I feel like because like I think so. It isn't regulated. It is hard. Like it is difficult. Like there is no answer. Like what are we gonna say? Oh, just get the certification. Or anyone from this certification is great. Like, I personally don't 
I don't refer people like that. Like, like if like I really don't really feel comfortable referring someone to someone unless like I've worked with that person like directly and I've seen that person or like I would leave my own dog with that person. So, so it is hard. And I feel like not that I want like tons and tons of regulation because I'm not saying that I'm for that, but I feel like it, it is getting more and more difficult to, mm. to find out. But like what I personally don't think, and I'm sure this will get me into a ton of shit is like, I don't think the place to start is for one side to just be like the other side just shouldn't even be allowed to train. Like they shouldn't be the trainers and then we're going to regulate it. And then like, we're going to be the ones that are allowed to have, like, we're going to be the dog trainers. And that could be either way, because I'm not just talking about one side, like the balance trainers could say, Oh, the force free trainers are just putting dogs to euthanasia and they're just medicating them all. And they're just not doing anything with them. That's abuse. And they shouldn't be allowed to be trainers. And the force free people could be like, Oh, these people are barbaric and they're using tools and they're all like completely torturing their dogs and all the dogs are worse off. Right. Like there has to be, or there should be kind of like a middle, a middle ground. And I know Anthony and Anthony were talking about this of like, what if a balanced trainer did want to get a certification, but like they can't because they decide to use a tool, you know? And like, that was one of the things that also would um, confuse me. And I know me and Anthony kind of talked about this on a previous episode, but it's like, certain certifications will talk about like lima so like least intrusive right minimally aversive so the idea is like you start with the least amount of pressure and and you know positive reinforcement and stuff like that and the environment and setting up the environment and things like that and then you can progress but then there's like not really a guidance on like how to progress or what to do right or how to use a tool i i really think anyone that is a dog trainer should know even if you're never going to use one like you should learn from someone on the other side because you're if you're a dog like if you're someone that's a dog owner and you're listening to this and you're like I want to find a dog trainer then you can forget what I'm talking about right because you could just decide what your ethics are and you could find a dog trainer that you love their dog and you love the relationship they have with their dog and you could just follow everything they say to do right if that's what you like but if you're a dog trainer like I'm gonna go into someone's house and they're gonna have a tool on their dog and I've learned more about the fallout from tools from balance trainers than from people that don't use the tools right because the the balance trainers that are good have learned from their mistakes and they've made a ton of mistakes and the good ones will tell you they made a lot of mistakes and they'll tell you hey don't do this with this tool because this crazy shit's gonna happen and i know that because i did that and i messed up a dog so um so first of all i mean a lot of the points you made are really good and that's the whole point of why we're doing this show because we kind of decided all right like i we're all kind of getting tired of like the the infighting and arguing like let's have some really serious conversations with um you know ourselves and also we're going to be bringing on some awesome people on here to chat and interview and and talk and we may not all agree on things the three of us or the you know those individuals may not agree with one of or all of us or vice versa whatever uh, but we want to have those open conversations in a very non-judgmental way um, because it's it's obviously very important um you know and, and I was actually talking to 
to kind of your point, I was actually talking to someone last night, a professional and friend. Um, and I was saying, you know, I have like for my business, there is a company here um, on Long Island that I get a pro I get like about 30% of their clients after their board and trains, which is a big number. Um, and they're a company that generally will put e-collars or prong collars on the dogs right away, as opposed to maybe following more of a, a Lima approach or a more positive approach. And, um, you know, I, I was struggling for a while when I was working with clients because initially I would, you know, oh, you must take this tool off. You must do this. You must do that. And, and that wasn't fair. I was putting people in you know, bad situation in a way because I was making them maybe feel uncomfortable when they didn't know, like, why is this guy saying this when my previous trainer said that? And, you know, like, okay, well, you're hiring someone new and your previous trainer told you do this. And, and it's confusing for a dog owner. And I was just telling my friend the uh, last night that learning to understand the, the use of how people are using tools, whether I agree with them or not, or whether they utilize them well or not, because there are people who can use tools with excellent timing and are amazing. There are trainers out there who are horrible. You know, so, and, and the same, the reality is the same is true for positive reinforcement. Your timing could be horrible or, or, you know, you're over-treating and luring and creating behavior chains and, and demand causing demanding behavior and et cetera, et cetera. There, you know, the list goes on for, for both sides. And I was just saying to my friend last night that, you know, learning to understand how tools are, are used has helped me help those clients that I get from that company that I get about 30% of on tools, but it's been able to help me improve those dogs and the relationship they have with their family so much more. And then be able in, in most of those cases to eventually remove those things. And, and, you know, so I think it's very important. And so to Vinny's point, like, you know, kind of talking about like being objective and just, learning to understand and, and not judge and, and just being able to be open-minded just to hear others out. It doesn't mean you need to go against what you believe or your ethics. It's not saying someone needs to change the way that you believe in or, or anything like that, but just to hear someone out or understand what someone's doing is, is the most important thing because that's how you're going to learn and be a better trainer. I know I am, you know, I'm not like trying to say I'm amazing, but I know that because I understand Thank you. Uh, because I understand like how some of those tools are used. I know so much more than the person who doesn't know how they're used at all. And that makes a huge difference for my clients because that at the end of the day, that's what I'm there for. I'm, to, I'm there to help my customer and my client and their dog. Well said, well said, fine, sir. So should we like try to summarize this and wrap this up or just Stephanie, You've been good at at giving us. I wish everyone at home could see Stephanie's dog right now, perfectly lined up with the mic somehow. Like the dog is behind (laughs) the mic in the background, but it's like perfectly lined up. So it looks like five feet away. She's literally right over my shoulder. She's talking. Um, 
I'm oh obviously gosh, getting she... tired. I keep seeing Stephanie's dog in yeah. the background of her thing, and I think the dog's like behind me. Like, I was yeah, like, no, she's like, like wait, literally that's not running. my dog behind me. But she like... really likes to participate in phone conversations. <laughs> so, um, she, well, imagine what would you like to tell the people? Hmm? She says, uh, I'm bored. Can you please pay attention to me? <laughs> um, no, I think you guys brought up some really fantastic points. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, essentially. Uh, like I said before, we're just, we're just a bunch of misfits that have come together to create a show for your entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, on that note. (laughs) No, but like, you know, we don't, we don't believe in a one size fits system fits all. You gotta go out. You have to do your research. Um, I think social media is a great place to start, but it is not the be all end all. Um, you know, be I think careful. It's a bad about... thing to start. Maybe I, I don't know. That could be. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you should definitely, definitely be careful of what you see on social media. It's not all it's cracked. Yeah, up and to so be. Like, I mean, I started. Really... In... I'm sorry to cut was, you off. No, it's okay. I was gonna say I started in a generation where there was no social media, and to this day, don't even don't even bother going to my website. It's Stephanie not even up to says <laughs> in her generation, and Vinny and I are the same age, and we're older than you. So. <laughs> like, are you? Yeah, I was like, damn. You I guys are older. Than this is true. Okay. This is true. But so, but like, yeah. I mean, now, I mean, nowadays, you go on YouTube and Instagram, and it's like training videos here, training videos there. But like, don't believe everything you see. You have to do your research and see what's behind the pretty Instagram filter, right? So. And so like, we didn't even really like there, there are too many to list. Like I could just start reading all the papers behind Anthony's head right now. If I want to start reading Gosh. all the certificates, but I don't know no, should. because I don't we know talked about surge and we didn't, we didn't really say any of them. Like, and, and again, I don't even know if we really should just like, we can't just like, we're not going to like list off like 20, 30 different certs right now. But I, I think what you can, and again, beware of social media, but if you find big accounts with large followings that maybe you like the way that they're training and their ethics fall in line with you go to their website and see what certifications they have or you might find out that like there there are none right because there are there are certifications for balance trainers there are certifications for um plus r trainers there are certifications that are kind of um somewhat in the middle um but have like ethical constraints or or parameters that they um kind of have set so i don't know what you guys feel about that like we're not going to sit here and just be like these are all the certifications there's too many to list out um yeah i just think i i agree i would i would find um like i said uh, i would just find someone that or or the people that you seem to like and respect and i mean honestly like everything to me everything starts with a question so like I am all about reaching out to people and connecting with them and seeing what they have to say or who they recommend or what organization they recommend, what program they recommend. I think that's, I think, you know, that's a a good start. I would be a little skeptical about some of the stuff on social media. I mean, you know, you can go to a place like Vinny's Instagram page and he's got amazing stuff up there. Um, And then, you can go to other people who, you know, it might be questionable. So, but, but like, that's maybe my opinion, right? Like some people might say Vinny sucks, you know, and yeah, his and beard totally is fine. weird and, you my know, like my pants are funny. 
Yeah. Everyone so, makes my like, funny pants, though. I, that company better hey, everyone, ev- sending I'm me telling some you, free you, pants. You, That's all I know. To, I was thinking about that. You need to, like, get either a, uh, like, what do you call that? Like, an affiliate link for that or something. I better. You know, they really should because you weird. That one they, post... they must be really popular. They're not as popular here, but they have like 500,000 followers on Instagram. Like they're huge. And, but like they advertise on their site like that they're meant for dog training. And, and yeah, dogs. yeah, no, they're, and, they're good. They and good. and I saw that one post with the leash walking. You had like five or six people in that one post ask about the, the pants. pants. Yeah, it's crazy because I remember yeah, when yeah. I first like met you, I remember saying, where did you get those awesome pants? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because the people that know me like made fun of me so much for those pants like friends and family members and then like so every time people are asking i'm like look i'm like look like all the other comments i don't like i don't let that go to my head like if they, oh you're great oh that's awesome like, yeah, it doesn't go to my head. but when they bring up the pants i'm like you see they like the pants the pants are undeniable yeah if you want to get under if you want to if you want to make Vinny smile ask about the pants if you want to get under yeah, if you want to see dog great skinny. dog training go to anthony's instagram if you want a great pants go to mine that's, that's and if you want to see someone that actually wins medals you just go to stephanie <laughs> <laughs> oh, all man. right guys well this that's was so an funny. awesome episode so like we said we recorded before and then we decided we needed to after a few a few uh pre-recorded episodes we said we need to go back and backtrack a little and introduce and kind of talk about who we are what we where we kind of stand and what we kind of believe in, et cetera. So, uh, so we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, yeah, that's it. Homer. I almost want to keep it weird, but that's from morbid podcast. Sorry guys. The morbid listeners will understand. Why? <laughs> like what? Obviously you guys have some homework to do. Come on. Your homework <laughs> is to do your research. Do your research, homework. whether you're looking to be a dog trainer or you're searching for a dog trainer, do your research, see what, what fits with what you believe in. And, and uh, yeah. Until next time. Bye. Class dismissed. dismissed. <laughs> oh, <it's- laughs> Did we all just say it at the same time? Or no, you two nailed it. And I just. <laughs> Job, ah, we're just gonna every week we're gonna say it and Yo, one day we'll uh, get that, it. that better stay in this episode i want it in that it was there that, we that was there we said at the same time we hope you enjoyed this episode of the canine classroom if you like the show make sure to smack that like button share the show with your friends and give us a rating until next time class dismissed